Hello and welcome to HGTV Obsessed, your podcast for all things HGTV. Today, it's out with the new and in with the old because we have the creators behind the viral Instagram account turned new HGTV show, Cheap Old Houses. Elizabeth and Ethan Finkelstein are talking all about their love for finding cheap old houses and how the show dives even deeper into historic house obsession for their fans. And then right after that, we're talking to Daniel Cantor, a designer who bought his own cheap old house and ended up on the first episode of the show. He's going to outline the challenges and rewards of living and renovating his 1865 Greek Revival home. Let's waste no time and get right into our first interview with stars of Cheap Old Houses. Here's my interview with Elizabeth and Ethan Finkelstein. Elizabeth and Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Marianne. Thank you so much for having us and talking about cheap old houses. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm truly, we were talking about this a little bit before we really officially got started, but I have been a fan of your Instagram account. I feel like since like the early days, um, we own a perfectly great house that I have no intention of on selling or moving out of, but there's just something about it. Something about those cheap old houses. I know. I feel like our our feed exists solely just so people can send the houses to their aunt or sister or mother or husband or whoever it is that they house dream with and say, wait a minute, you know, and reimagine their life, you know, four times a day in different ways. And then you see this big house in the middle of nowhere and it needs you and you can afford it. It's super it's cheap. It's very alluring. There's an escapism about it. And and what's so fun is that, and you'll see this on the show, we've met so many people who have actually just made the leap and done it. And it's it's amazing to see it all come full circle like that because it's not really just a dream. It re- there really are people doing this. Let's go back a step. Elizabeth and Ethan, you're both the creators of the massively popular Instagram account, Cheap Old Houses. If you guys are not already following, go give it a follow and you too can daydream about who you might be if you bought a house in Peoria. And now you're the stars of the show by the same name that just premiered on HGTV and Discovery Plus. But I want to know, how did you guys happen to find yourselves with a mutual love for old homes? I mean, what what's your origin story? So our origin story is kind of funny. We met and within weeks of us dating. Basically, I asked Elizabeth to move to an old farmhouse that was in my family from the 1700s. And it's on 150 acres. I didn't even know if it was official at this point. (laughs) But it was kind of like, do you want to move to this farmhouse with me? And she was kind of like... I don't know. What were you like? Well, I wasn't ready to do the move to rural New Hampshire yet. I, but you know, in a few years I probably would have been, but I was taken by the fact that I was like, here is a fellow old soul. Like who, anyone who would ask me that like understands me to my core. You know, I grew up in a cheap old house that my parents bought and restored with their own two hands. So I experienced the concept of home growing up as a place where you engage in endless projects. So old houses have just been in my blood. And and I knew from a very young age, very, very young, that they were magical and they are inspiring and they are uh, they're fuel for a child's imagination. 
So this was really our creative passions and wanting to get to a cheap old house. Now, my grandparents' house was $600,000 for this house. So it was not, as young 20-year-olds, <laughs> we were not capable of buying this house. But we were still on an epic search for our cheap old house. I love that. I have to say, Ethan, I really like your game there. Just, I don't even know if you're my girlfriend yet, but do you want to buy a home together? That really, that's bold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was on the market and I was so scared that someone was going to purchase it. And, you know, it was going to be ripped away from my family. My, My mom is one of eight kids and they were all like in different places about what they wanted to do with it. So I'm like, this is a limited time opportunity. Well, I think but it brings up a point in that everybody, and I think this is part of the allure of our feed. It's it's about our feed is about nostalgia at its core. And Ethan, you know, everyone has an old house in their life that meant something to them. When we tell people what we do, they say, oh, my aunt had a house and they tell me all about it. And there's something about these houses that just really speak to people and people remember and people always seem to be searching for after they've been inside them. They want something that gives them that feeling of home. There's something so homey about an old house. Noelle, you're speaking my language as someone who bought my grandmother's house and renovated it and I'm living in it right now next door to my parents who bought my great uncle's house. So we have like the family compound. So you're living the dream. You are wonderful. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's special. And it is it's just you can't you can't stomach the idea of anyone else living in this house. I mean, this is our this is our family's house. You guys have a staggering 1.6 million followers and growing. And the account, for those who aren't familiar with it, features old homes in various conditions that are all in the market for under $150,000. What inspired you to start this account? I mean, did you ever expect it to to grow this way and turn into your career. We absolutely never thought it would turn into a career. We thought it would be a fun side project. I think why we started it is, first of all, we've always been looking for our own cheap old house. We live just outside of New York City and we're being robbed every day in what we pay for our house. And we don't want that anymore. And I think that anybody that's in the age group of people who are on Instagram, millennials, feels already saddled with student debt. You know, they're paying a ton in rent. And I think that they think that maybe owning a home is a pipe dream for them. So there's that. And then at the same time, there are all these beautiful historical homes for sale all over America that need people to restore them. And we're like, let's bring these two forces together. And we started Cheap Old Houses really for fun as a place to just kind of put these houses. I don't think we are surprised that people take to it. I think there is something very exciting about looking at before photos on a platform that's mainly after photos and using your imagination in that way. We never thought we'd have 1.6 million followers in a million years. I mean, I feel like historic preservationists, if that's what you want to call us, are usually at the bottom of the power ring. So it's it's funny when when you are able to have a voice in a field you feel very strongly about. It's exciting. It's so special. But I, I also want to know, how do you find the homes? Because it's just very wide reaching. I mean, it's all over the country. Do you have a team of people? Do you have people submitting things? How do you how do you find all these cheap old houses? I scour the internet every single day and I look for them. I I look for houses that have original features. I want original 
everything. I am not interested in houses that have been gutted or flipped or anything. I'm interested in things that still have character, whatever condition it's in, that someone can restore because it's hard to get that stuff back once it's been taken out. We also have a very amazing, engaged audience of people who are on this ride with us and send us houses all day long. So a lot of it comes from our community. I'm curious, what are some of the most popular homes you've ever posted on your account? And does your audience, and I I know this kind of from getting a sneak peek of your show, does your audience tend to engage with a certain type of old home? Like what is just cheap old houses gold? So cheap old houses gold are 6,000 square foot manors or mansions (laughs) and epic properties, schoolhouses, libraries, lighthouses that are super affordable. You're looking at this crazy structure and it's sometimes super colorful. Sometimes it's super detailed. Sometimes there's there's just like woodwork coming out of its ears. And then you're looking at the price and you're like $42,000 for a 6,000 square foot home. It just does not compute. Right. (laughs) So, you know, we featured a mill in Maine that was, I think, 80s in the $80,000 range um, that had multiple barns on it that was on a lake that (sighs) had like a river running through it. And you're like, it's it's uncomprehensible (laughs) sort of some of these houses. My favorite ones, I think cheap old house gold are the ones that are like little time capsules. And I think yes. you know, I want to feel like someone left the house in like 1952 to go to the dry cleaners or wherever. And then they just didn't, you know, they then and, and everything is in the house just left because I, these houses in a sense are a window into the way average people in America lived. Uh, you know, a lot of these houses are very fancy. But a lot of them are the kind of house that you look at and you say, oh, that was totally my grandmother's kitchen. And I think for a modern generation, like our generation, we are always just looking for the next design inspiration. And there's so much cool design inspiration in some of these time capsule houses of how people were actually living at that moment. We are constantly just on the hunt for that cool new next thing. And there's so much to look back to that can inspire us today. I was so excited when I first heard that your famous Instagram account is becoming a show. And it's a really unique show for HGTV because you're searching for homes to feature on your account. You're diving even deeper than that. I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about the show and how you're able to give the viewers so much more than just swiping through a a photo gallery on Instagram. Yeah, well, I think from the get-go, we were never going to fit the mold of a of a lot of house shows that that sort of rent renovate an entire house in a season because really what we do on our feed is preach slow restoration over many many years so it was it just was never going to fit into that format and it took us a long time to find a production company and a network that wanted to celebrate what we do and what we do well and what we what we preach so i think what we landed on is perfect it covers all the things people love about the feed which is the real estate and searching for the cheap houses finding the cool things in the houses and educating people about what those are and getting excited about the little details. And then the people who have purchased the house 
and restored it and seeing their story. I mean, we know over a hundred people who have purchased houses off of our Instagram feed. And so there's, there's all these facets to that. So, and what's really fun is you still get the before and after in the episodes like three times, because in each of the houses that we visit, you get a 3D rendering, which is, I didn't trust that it would be as satisfying as it turned out to be. It is when it just rolls out across the room. It's incredible. You look at these houses that have been stripped of all their detail, and it's very hard for most people to envision what they are. And then you see the rendering and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's what it used to look like. And that's what it could look like. It's really satisfying. So we do that for those two houses. And then in the third part of every episode, we go visit someone who's restored an old house. And so you get to see their before and after photos. So you get that satisfaction. So if you're a before and after type, you're going to love this show as much as a person who just wants to learn about, you know, why crown molding exists in certain types of houses. Yeah, you really do. You learn so much. I mean, I have worked for HGTV for almost 15 years now. So I consider myself like fairly well-versed in home styles and design trends, but I found myself like taking notes. I was, I was really into it. I do want to talk a little bit though, because there is, there's so much romance with these old homes. Like I said, I love a good ruin. I love a good lost cause. Can you bring us back to earth a little bit when it comes to how much work is really involved with these historic restorations? Because it is, it's not just slapping some paint on the wall. It absolutely 100% depends on the house. So we show houses on cheap old houses that are move-in ready. And they might be in a place where the real estate prices are lower than in other parts of the country or the the seller really needs to sell it for some reason. And then we have sort of the far extreme of what we do, where you have a crumbling old mansion in the middle of nowhere that needs a new roof and foundation. And no windows and no doors. And there is a house for everyone within that trajectory. So anywhere you land on the cheap old house spectrum, you're going to find something for you. Every house is unique. Every house has its problems. Every person buying a house is unique. Every person has a different budget, has a different skill set, has a different level of patience, a different level of time. You know, I don't think we are suggesting that somebody who is already completely overburdened in their life and has, you know, no money saved to do this, do something like this. I think like anything else in your life, it's a goal. We told ourselves that we wanted, we have been saving money for a cheap old house forever and we found it and we're working on it. And like anything else, I think you just have to save money and be realistic about it. I think that the fact that you can get these houses and not go in with a closing cost that's going to put you over the edge before you've even started your first project, that's a real feather in your cap. So I think that we live in an age where people believe their house has to look like an Instagram feed the first week they live there. And you're probably going to have an ugly kitchen for 12 years and you just have to be okay with that. Um, But that's part of the fun. And I think, you know, we just redid our kitchen in our house and it took us, we did, we, we lived in the house for many, many, many years before we did it. And of course we wanted to do it sooner, but we had to save up to be able to do it. And I'm so grateful at the end of the day that we waited because I think the kitchen I would have put in the first year would have been the wrong kitchen for the house. And now that we've lived there for so long, I know exactly what kind of kitchen this house needs. So it's about learning about your house and listening to your house and and slowness isn't always a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. Just set yourself up for success, be patient and have budget because... The cost of the house is just the beginning. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, one of the really cool things about about the, the world we live in today versus when my parents were, were restoring their house is that there is a huge online community of people also doing this that can help you out. And that when you're having a low day, like anything, anything that's hard, you always have low days. The, the community will lift you back up and support you. And it's like it's like a built in support system. That's amazing. And to, to extend beyond that, I think everyone who is featured on the show 
is an electrician, a school teacher, a postal worker, someone who works a trade or a business or an interior designer. I mean, all of these people are real people who do it and they also are active online. You could actually even reach out to the people who show we show the reveals and go talk to them about, oh, you, I can't even believe you did this to your house. How did you do it? What did you spend? Give me some ideas. To Elizabeth's point, there's this community that is amazing. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of people who are online sharing their experiences at this same time. And, you know, you can talk to them and, and everyone featured on the show is a real person who did this, not with extraordinary means. I think that's my favorite thing about the show is the authenticity of it. There are very few production tricks, if any, going on here. I mean, besides cleaning up some of the houses that we went into to see for sale, they're actually for sale. They they are in the state they're in when we walk into them. And the people whose houses we're visiting at the end who restored their house, we're not changing their furniture or changing like <laughs> this is this is their house. And I, I think it really makes people feel when they're watching it that you too can do this. It's mm-hmm. that's that's my favorite part of it. I didn't want to make a fake show. I didn't want to put something out there that you couldn't that wasn't actually real. And, and this show is very, very authentic. Yeah, it does. It feels so many, I feel like so much of television and social media, it's very like aspirational, but it's not attainable. But this does feel like if you're willing to put the time and the effort and the work in, you know, it feels within reach. I was really excited to see Daniel Cantor pop up in an episode. I have followed him since like since he lived in Manhattan, you know, before he made the move. And I have watched him do the work on that house. And just sometimes you're just peeking through your eyes like, oh my gosh, is he, is he going to be able to pull this off? Is he in over his head? And he always, I mean, he always brings it together. It's been such, it's just fun to watch someone on a journey. It's really fun. I love the variety of people that we feature on the show. You have someone like Daniel, who's just fearless. He restored the the wood siding on the house all by himself. He ran everything through a planer. He he will figure it out and he will work on it. And then, you know, and then you have like there there's just all different types of people. And then there are people who are less DIYers, um more decorators, people who do it quickly, people who do it slowly, people who are hiring out the work, people who you know, it's really kind of runs the gamut and and again it just goes back to there's not really one way to restore a house. You have to do it your way. Well, and then once you do restore the house, you have to fill it with furniture and decorate it. We talked about this a little bit before we actually got started about how Elizabeth, you grew up in a house full of antiques. I grew up in a house full of antiques. We talked about our mothers both have antique potty chairs. (laughs) What a thing to have in your house. Do you guys have any favorite items you're always keeping an eye out for when you're out antiquing? I think it's really about, Elizabeth can really speak to this more, but I think it's really about listening to the house first and foremost. Right now we're really into things that are not so expensive shocker um you know so we we are right now into primitive stuff very old stuff we're not trying to follow the trends of like mid-century modern and bringing that into our you know federal era house so we went and searched for like an oil painting and we got this really creepy old amazing oil painting i like oil paintings of like like old men old men and and portraits i just really like (laughs) and the guy goes to us oh young people don't like this stuff anymore i'll give the painting to you but the frame is worth something and we're like okay cool like we want this to be a secret a little bit in terms of the specific styles that 
you know, you're kind of picking, but my problem, I have a real sink problem and that's Ooh. a problem because they're really heavy. And unless yes. you have a place to put them, they just take up half your storage space. You will see on the, on the show that I have a mint green sink problem and own a few of them. I just think going to auctions is the most fun thing in the entire world. And I feel silly saying this, but I walk into an auction house and I, I literally feel like I'm home. Like I get that feeling like these are my people here. I am like, I just want to live here and stay here and it's so funny it's such a funny educational evening every single time and we walk away with things that I didn't even know I needed until they brought it up and I just watched my hand go up in the air and suddenly I I own this thing that's coming home with me (laughs) that antique potty chair is mine And they're like giving the stuff away. It's crazy. Oh, that makes me want to. I've never been to an auction before. And now. Marianne, don't even go. It's so (laughs) much fun. Ethan is just shaking his head. And if it's a good one, they'll, you know, they'll be making like goulash and spaghetti in the back and pie. And it's like it's a whole event. It is so much fun. All right. I've always been more of a, a like yard sale junk store, like more of a picker. But I could definitely see myself getting on board with uh, the auction life. Elizabeth and Ethan, before we let you go, we have a little rapid fire round inspired by cheap old houses where you have to pick one of these two items. And we've got some really, we've got some, I think this is going to be a challenge for you guys. Are you ready? Totally excited. Yes, I'm very excited. All right. You can only pick one, but you guys can, you can have different answers. Original hardwoods or wavy glass? Well, nothing to me beats wavy glass. Yeah, that's hard. I'll go with the wavy glass last two here. Wavy glass all day long. Colonial or craftsman? Colonial. Colonial. Archway or colonnade? Colonnade. Archway. Oh, we got a little divisive action happening. Okay. Mid-mod or Cape Cod? Is it on the beach? Or does the mid-mod have the pool? Jeez. Oh, this is a hard (laughs) one. I want mid-mod. I want mid-mod. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Cape Cod, but I, you know, we're married, so maybe we can both get our way and then we have two houses. Hey, that sounds like a good plan. All right. Open concept or separate spaces? Oh my God, that's so easy. Separate space. I'm like, anything you say after open concept, we're going to pick. <laughs> You're like, doors, doors, doors. Give me those doors. Unless it's a mid-century modern house, which which kind of invented the, the open concept. And then I believe in open concept wholeheartedly. There you go. All right. Brick or stone exterior? Stone. <gasps> this is hard. Stone. Transom windows or pocket doors? <laughs> It's like, it's like two children. You got to pick one. I know. It's really, we're not pulling any punches. Pocket doors. Some of the pocket doors we saw were ridiculously amazing. Yeah. Only because we sell a t-shirt that says pocket doors. I'm going to (laughs) go. Oh my gosh. I feel like I need that t-shirt. Okay. And last one. I feel like this is another tough one. Built-in bookshelves or fireplace fireplace have to have the fireplace fireplace is like a is like a must-have item for both of us in any house we live in well there you go well elizabeth and ethan it was such a pleasure having you guys on today uh i'm just so excited about the show i hope everyone loves it as much as i did um before you go will you tell everyone where they can follow cheap old houses on social media and watch your new show Yes. So we are at Cheap Old Houses on Instagram and Facebook. We also run CheapOldHouses.com. Back-to-back episodes of Cheap Old Houses are premiering on HGTV and Discovery Plus on August 9th at 9 p.m. 
and you guys do not want to miss it. It is so much fun. And you'll just be like me sending pictures of houses to your husband all all night. Well, I hope you guys come back. I'm going to cross all my fingers for many, many seasons of this great show. I have to say, I think that my personal obsession with cheap old houses will never be satisfied until I actually own a Norwegian farmhouse on a fjord. So putting that on the old the old vision board. Um, but next up, we have someone who I've been following for quite a while who owns his own cheap old house, although it's certainly over the years, um, I think probably lost the term cheap with the amount of renovation that he's done on it. He was on an episode of Cheap Old Houses talking about his own Greek revival home in Kingston, New York that dates back to the 1800s. So here is my chat with the delightful man behind DanielCantor.com, Daniel Cantor. Daniel, welcome. I was just before we got started having a little fan moment because I feel like I have followed you and your work since the beginning. And now you are a self-described serial house renovator. You live in an 1865 Greek revival in Kingston, New York, and you document all of the ups and the serious downs of your DIY renovations on your blog. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what drew you to this home because it definitely had good bones, but it needed a lot of help. It needed a lot of help. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, sticking with me this whole time. It's It's been a, a wild decade. I guess I've always sort of been interested in, in old things and at some point in like late teenagehood, these things called blogs started, you know, happening and people were blogging about their old houses. Those are the only blogs I really cared about. And um, <laughs> I don't know why, because I was sitting there in a new construction 1997 house in, in Virginia, but I was just sort of fascinated with these very enterprising and motivated individuals that were taking on these old homes and doing, you know, all this amazing work all by themselves and learning as they went and all of that. And so it sort of became a pipe dream from there. And I happened to go up to Kingston just for a weekend with some friends. I had no idea where Kingston was or what Kingston was. And I, you know, where are we even going? And we kind of drive into this really beautiful town and the snow had just fallen and it was just like very kind of picture perfect. And then I looked up real estate listings as one does. I think this was in the days before cheap old houses. So, which honestly, luckily, because my house probably would have gotten snapped up pretty quick. <laughs> I, uh, the, the very first listing that popped up was this beautiful house that it only had a couple of photos and all the interior photos were, you know, we've all seen those real estate listings where everything looks like a drunk person took it. I don't even know. And so we drove by it the next day and just sort of peeked in the windows and I was still in college and just, you know, in nowhere near even thinking about buying a house but I just sort of became really, really fixated with this one. And I, I don't entirely know why, but it was just the sort of thing where it's like, well, that's my house. And it just, you know, it felt 
like it needed me and I needed it. So I stocked this real estate listing obsessively for months and for no reason whatsoever. And then the price dropped and then it dropped again. And I'm like, okay, what if? (laughs) And so I went to look at it and as soon as I walked in and saw kind of an unpainted, beautiful mahogany newel post and, you know, everything else just sort of faded into the background. And it was, that was it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I mean, you have to have that kind of vision, I feel like, so that you can focus on the beautiful and not see, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a particular bathtub in your home that, that looked like it was maybe a crime scene at one point. You know, we have to look past all of that. I think vision is a kind word. Uh, delusion is another word. Um, you know, I think a <laughs> lot of us have the same affliction of just sort of not even really noticing how bad certain things are and just focusing on like what is great about it. And so in my house, all I really saw were, you know, all original moldings and almost every door was there and all the original windows were still there. And I I didn't even really think about the drop ceilings and the wood paneling and the weird walls that had been up and super nasty kitchen. And I don't know, it just, none of it really mattered until I started working on it and then it mattered a great deal. But (laughs) of course, of course. Well, and you mentioned cheap old houses and I was just so excited to see you pop up um, on an episode of cheap old houses on HGTV. So we just talked to Elizabeth and Ethan all about the show. Had you been following cheap old houses already? I'm assuming because I, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits and obsessed with cheap old houses. Oh, yes. Yes. I followed them for years. I have no idea how I came across it, but I've, I was an early adopter. I think it's, it was so cool to meet Ethan and Elizabeth because the whole, the account is so about the houses and these listings. And I never had a great sense of the people behind it. And, and of course they're the best. Of course they are. They're so nice. They're super funny, really down to earth, really sweet. Yeah. Like so wonderful in- instant best friends. I mean, I just want to go like traipse around old houses with them. Something they talked about on, on the episode where you appeared is that you have personally hands-on renovated so much of your home, including fixing the siding yourself. Like this is, I, I really encourage everyone to check out the show so that you can really understand the scope of this because this is a two-story home and you removed the siding, replaned it, <laughs> repaired it, replaced it where it needed to be and put it back up by yourself. So obviously that was a huge challenge. Can you share one particular project in in the home that really challenged you, whether it was the siding or I, you've, you've really taken on some, some shocking challenges, Daniel. Yeah. All of them, <laughs> I would say have been really challenging. Exterior work, I think is always particularly challenging because of like the height stuff. So, you know, you're up on a ladder and that is hard and typically you're doing it in the summer. So it's very hot, you know, getting up and down a ladder a million times in August in upstate New York is difficult. That project was really intense because the siding was sort of one part of it, but as these projects often go, it's just a snowball effect. So, 
my house at some point has been covered in vinyl siding and I've been slowly removing it. You know, typically it's not very good for old houses to be covered in vinyl like that. It's sort of like wrapping a plastic sheet around the house. So that was part of the goal. But actually the bigger part of the goal was removing a couple of additions that weren't original to the house and really kind of screwed up the architecture, at least by my evaluation. And they were really in very, very poor condition. So to do that, I, you know, the, the demo was the easy part. And then you start peeling back the layers and then you have to replicate woodwork. So part of this project was I had to completely rebuild the third side of the bay window, which is this beautiful bay window. And my house is a Greek revival. So all the woodwork is like really intricate and, and it kind of has to be right. And, or you'll know. And so figuring out how to reverse engineer a bay window that had been built, you know, 150 years ago with all this custom molding and make it look like it had always been there and wasn't a brand new thing. And oh my God, it was super challenging and it's imperfect. I can tell, you know, where the problems are, but I think it, it reads like it was always like that. So I'm real proud of it, but, um, you have to be a little crazy to want to do stuff like this. And part of that is, trying it out and you know houses are not especially breakable and most things are reversible and so if um if you screw it up you screw it up but it's it's good to just try yeah just try it i mean that's a really good point actually i feel like people get a little they freak themselves out but it's short of burning a house down you know you can you can fix almost anything you can always bring in a pro i think part of it too is like people often feel like they need to know every step from point A to point B. And you really don't. You sort of have to know where you want to end up, but you're going to figure it out along the way. And as things come up, you you figure it out and you learn and you research. And luckily we live in, you know, amazing time where information is so widely available. And so, and I like to think that my, my little blog and stuff contributes to that. So I feel like, um, especially with the growing popularity of you know, accounts like cheap old houses, I feel like there is a renewed interest in older homes in move in, you know, maybe moving out of cities, moving to these smaller communities where you can have the opportunity to own and buy something where maybe you couldn't previously. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who is about to buy their own cheap old house, what would it be? Kiss your weekends goodbye. Uh, <laughs> That's so true, though. No vacations, no weekends. Right? I mean, it really is. It it becomes a really huge part of your life, big part of your identity. Not all of your friends will be nearly as interested in your house as you are. But I would also say uh, keep at it because it's worth it. And it's it's a really satisfying experience. It can be a really frustrating experience, but... At the end of the day, you get to enjoy a place that you knew had this potential where so many other people probably didn't see it and know that you are stewarding this house kind of for its its next phase of its life. I mean, houses don't really get major renovations more than every hundred years or so. So the work you're doing now is is going to shepherd this house into the next century. I love it. It's like living history. Daniel, where can everyone find you on social media? Where can we follow along with all of your work? So uh, I'm super active on Instagram. Uh, my name is Daniel Cantor. It's just 
at Daniel Cantor, which is K-A-N-T-E-R. Everyone spells it wrong. Um, and my uh, blog is danielcantor.com. Um, I, I still post there, although blogs sort of seem to be on the decline, but I still love blogging. I love writing. I feel like, I feel like blogging is going to come back. I, I feel like it's going to be niche. It's going to be, you know, not as broad as it, as it was in the past, but I feel like people are here for like longer form. So yeah, definitely check out Daniel's blog. It's so beautiful. And he's got a tag um, called Kingston House where you can kind of follow along um, with his personal home renovation from the beginning. Daniel, it's just so great to talk to you. And I just can't wait to see what you rip up next. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate you all listening to this episode all about the love of old homes. And if you are not already, I really encourage you to toss yourself down a rabbit hole of cheap old houses and follow along with Daniel's home renovations. Maybe you'll be inspired to take the leap. I want to give a special thank you to Elizabeth and Ethan Finkelstein of Cheap Old Houses and Daniel Cantor for joining us today. You can watch the first four episodes of Cheap Old Houses right now on Discovery Plus as a special preview. And two additional new episodes of Cheap Old Houses will drop early each Monday on Discovery Plus through August 30th. You can learn more about all of our guests by checking out our show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. And as usual, if you love today's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review HGTV Obsessed. Give us five stars and don't forget to follow HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. I'll see you next Thursday. 